This week, we celebrate Thanksgiving. As a nation, we take a day or a long weekend, and what it's devolved into is merely a chance for family and football and food. Gluttony, right? And the original intent, you can go back and study your history. I think originally it was declared a day of solemn prayer and remembrance to thank God for what he has done and what he's doing. Three weeks ago, I was in the book of 1 Thessalonians. I was reading in chapter 5, and in verse 12 through 22, Paul does what Paul is often wont to do in his letters. I think all of a sudden he realized, I relate to him because I always felt that way when I was writing something in English. It's like, I'm just so ready to be done that, whoosh, you know, how, how much, can I condense two pages into a paragraph and make it acceptable? And that's not what Paul, but I just, you know, Paul's like, you know what, I've said enough, just ba 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 these are the things to know. Figure it out. And he, he mentions 10 or 12 or 14 things, you know, and some of it has to do with relational stuff. Some of it has to do with personal me stuff. Some of it has to do with church stuff. Now, I want to look at the three things in the middle, verses 16 through 18. That's the personal stuff, the me stuff, between me and God's stuff. And for those of you who say, I can't memorize scripture, I would say that I'm pretty sure you could memorize this. It's not really long. Verse 16, 17, and 18 in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always. Can everybody say that? You've already memorized verse this morning. Awesome. Verse 17 is, depending on your translation, pray continually, pray without ceasing, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. So stop and think. As you read that, now that you have it memorized, I hope, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances. What comes to mind? I'll lay myself bare. For most of my life I read that and the first thought is, how? Really? Are you nuts? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Easy for you to say, Paul. You're the one that saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. You're the apostle. What do you know about my life? My family? My vocation? My job? My coworkers? My circumstances? 
So back off, pal. But somehow, in the course of my lifetime, the last phrase in verse 18 has escaped me. It's always been there. It's not been hidden except in plain sight. Paul says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for... This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, me, us. And suddenly, I'm pretty excited. Rather than this being an impossible goal, I remember my early 20s desperately agonizing over what is God's will for my life. What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to marry? Is Chris the one I'm supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? What car am I supposed to buy? The really dumpy one that's cheap or the not-so-dumpy one that's not as cheap, you know? What's God's will for my life look like? Have I made such a hash of things that there's really no way for me to get there? And these are all questions to be answered on another Sunday and another sermon. But the long and the short of it is this. I come to realize God's less concerned with my work, where I'm living, He's less concerned with those things than he is with my character and who I'm becoming. So when I see that it is God's will that I rejoice always, that I pray continually, that I give thanks in all circumstances, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I need to understand how this looks and how these things can mark my life in ever-increasing measure. So just how am I develop these? How am I to develop these? I think Paul placed them, the Holy Spirit placed these things in an order. They weren't just random, they just weren't thrown out there. Well, these are things, and I don't know, I'll put some thought into it later, or try to... I, th- I think they're there. They're in a specific order. Rejoice always. I will never get to the point where I can rejoice mostly always. The day's coming when I'm no longer drawing breath here that I'll be able to rejoice always. Until then, it'll be a process of learning how to rejoice mostly always. I'll never get there if I'm not in the process of learning to pray continually. And again, I've heard many sermons on this stuff, and okay, what does it mean to pray continually? In my mind, it's just, you know, 
walked around, head bowed, hands folded, eyes closed, and trust God not to let me run into something that's going to hurt. But the Greek word that Paul uses, for it's translated continually or without ceasing, is the same word. I wouldn't say it's a medical term necessarily, but it was a term for a nagging, hacking cough. Just like that. Not so much hacking there. But you know how that is when you've got that tickle? And it's like, you know, if I just... <clears throat> Or when your wife has that, or your spouse, and you're trying to sleep. Well, just one more. <coughs> What's the, that'll take care. Ah, and it's and it's still and it's just there. Everybody, go ahead, get it out. I know you want to. <laughs> you can't help it. I don't know. To pray continually is just to have that that tickle there, so that when something great happens it just flows up God thank you or when something not so great happens like Lord God walk me through this when something happens I have no idea what to do or where to go Lord God I, I'm trusting you to get me through this to show me the way to our first response that first little tickle, that first little itch is to turn to God and express our dependence, our gratefulness on him. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And I won't learn to pray continually if I'm not in the process of learning to give thanks in all circumstances. You notice the qualifier, all there's no room for a caveat there. Give thanks in everything but give thanks in all. I can't learn to give thanks in all circumstances if I don't have a deep understanding of who God is, of his sovereign nature. We learn to give thanks in all circumstances when we develop a biblical perspective. When we go to the book and we learn, this is what it says. This is what I can trust. This is what I need to pursue. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is wrapping up a chapter describing all the varied and many ways that he has suffered. When you go back to, go back, when you go back to Acts and you see when he was called on the road to Damascus and, and he's blinded and he's led into Damascus and he's in a house waiting and God is talking to Ananias to say, go talk to Saul. And Ananias said, I think you, you don't realize who you've got there, God. This is the guy that is chasing us, imprisoning us, persecuting us. And God said, no, I know who I've got there. I want you to go. I must show him. Or I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
That was his calling. As you read in 2 Corinthians, you see where and how the many different ways that he suffered physically, emotionally. And when it's all said and done, there's one nagging physical affliction, whatever it was, we don't know, and God is just, he's praying. He's seen people raised to life. He's seen people healed as a result of his prayers. And his own prayers are doing nothing to heal himself. And God says, my grace is sufficient, for my power is perfected in weakness. We learn to give thanks when we realize that it's God's grace that's sufficient. It's not my ability to figure it out or walk my way through or see the, the silver lining. In Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13, Paul is saying, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned I, to be content when I have so much. I have an abundance. I don't know what to do with it all. And when I have so very little that I don't even have a roof over my head or a meal to heat, to eat, to eat. And the secret, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That wasn't written so you could win a ball game. That's the secret of contentment. My contentment doesn't rest on me. It rests on the strength that Christ provides. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And what's more... As you read scripture, this isn't something we wait around for in the recliner with their feet up and say, all right, God, do this. I'm waiting. If you're ready to burn up a page of notes in Psalm 9, Psalm 28, 30, 34, 35, 59, 69, 75, 98, 100, 103, 105, 106, 107, 116, 118, 136, and 138. That's all I wrote down. And that's just a start. We see over and over and over and over again the words, I will rejoice. I will give thanks. It's a choice. And when I roll out of bed in the morning, and the only reason I'm stiff and sore is because I went to bed the night before, I will rejoice. I will give thanks. And when I get the horrible news from the doctor or a family member, I will rejoice. I will give thanks. This isn't normal. This isn't natural. This is not the bent with what we're born. This is a mark, not the mark, but a mark of a redeemed life.
It is a mark of the Holy Spirit at work in me to sanctify me. And sanctify is that big churchy word in case you don't remember or you don't know what it is. Sanctification is the process by which we are being conformed to the likeness and character of Jesus. And being redeemed, God sees us as sanctified already. It's a position that we hold, but it's also a process that continues until I'm dead. When it reaches its completion. It's a mark of the Holy Spirit's work to sanctify me. It's a mark of spiritual maturity. If it's far easier to complain all the time, then I need to be more mature. I need to learn. I need to choose to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for me. It requires work, it requires effort to learn how to give thanks in all circumstances. To learn how to make that our first even second response. And so what better time than this week to start? Thanksgiving is before us. It's a constant reminder as we go through the week. We're either getting ready to go see family or have family fill our homes. The preparations the cleaning, the whatever that's going to be taking place, the stress and the craziness that it brings. So how to do this? I'm sure I'm not the only one that have left these doors all excited, rah, rah, now what, and go, 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 and I get in the car, and somewhere between the door and the car, I'm suddenly trying to figure out now what. Ah. I'll think about it later. Four points of application. Sit down with a sheet of paper and begin to fill it with what you are thankful for. A number of years ago, I can't even remember what all was going on in life. But it was beating me up. I was discouraged. I was staying awake at night, worrying about stupid stuff, real stuff, perceived stuff. The more I stayed up at night, the grouchier I got, the grouchier I got, the more it was everyone else's fault. Now one night, I don't remember what time it was, it was late. When I finally got up, 
I believe I was prompted by the Holy Spirit, grabbed a notebook. Like, what am I thankful for? What, what good things are going on? I'm sure I can fill five lines. And double columns on a legal pad, I was finally getting tired and realized that I'll have to pick this up later. And I went to sleep. Fill it up. There are big things. There are small things. There are big, obvious, huge things. There are seemingly insignificant things for which we can be thankful and which we can rejoice. Write a note. Write a card. Write a letter. Send a text. Send an email to somebody who has influenced, who has impacted you. Maybe they know it, maybe they don't. Maybe you see them often, maybe you haven't seen them for years. Just let them know. Your influence did this in my life, thank you. To cultivate an attitude, to choose an attitude of learning to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. Think back on the hard things in your life, the difficult things, the miserable things, the cruddy things. Well, how am I going to be thankful in that? Look for the good that's come out of those, the growth that took place, how God moved and worked in those hard things. In the midst of it, it can be difficult, sometimes impossible to see, but as you look back, you can see, whoa, if not for that, then I would never. And finally, do for someone else what you wish somebody had done for you. At some point in our lives, we all get to that point. It's like, well, if somebody had done this, maybe I wouldn't be like I am. It's somebody else's fault for not. Well, rather than focusing on what you haven't had or didn't receive from somebody else, go look for someone in which you can serve in that way. Well, nobody's ever come up to me and done Okay, you go do that for somebody else. Take your eyes off yourself and you look out, see where God can use you to serve somebody else. Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda. M as in Mary, 
bboy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.